Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. And, and welcome back to Little Cuts. It's been a minute. Our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching and or playing recently, I think. I don't know if you're bringing anything else. I'm Terry. I'm tired. Tired. <laughs> yes, I'm tired. And I'm also Mary Beth, and I'm back. And this week we're chatting about an insane queer-ish uh, Norland shot SOV slasher. A YA gay adaptation, dicks, vampires, and lots of dungeons. Hell yeah. Creepy wall girls. A sad sci-fi film and a Safety Brothers-esque nightmare about day trading. I've actually watched movies this week. I've actually watched movies this week. (laughs) Because I, for a couple weeks, had not watched much. So I was just Why? What? Why, Mary Beth? What What have you been up to? Um, so for those of you who didn't know, I was, uh, I was off in Kentucky filming, uh, my feature film debut. Weird. Um, yeah, I directed a feature called, I co-directed a feature with Jamie Alvey called Bystanders, and it is a rape revenge movie, and it's really bloody, and I'm excited about it. And yeah, it's hopefully coming out. Uh, next year I don't know yet we're in post-production now and yeah yeah that's why I was gone that was my that was my super secret project I couldn't announce it but the announcement went up uh last 
Nope. Last week? Yeah, last week. Yeah, last so, week. So right? uh, yeah. now it is official. Yeah, time doesn't matter. I don't know what time is anymore. I, I don't um, either. So, yeah. Wild. Wild. I know. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty awesome. I'm really, really proud of it. It's, it was a very small budget with very little time. And so I think with the limited resources we had, we made something pretty fucking cool. So I'm excited to share it with the world. As you all know how much I love rape revenge movies. So I'm really excited to be a woman directing a rape revenge movie. I'm excited to uh, have a film like in the canon, which is pretty fucking cool. So, yeah. That's so amazing. And I'm going to talk about it a lot forever. So get ready. You're going to just get hear ready. about it a lot, listeners. I cannot so just, wait. Like, get ready. <laughs> I cannot wait to see it. Yes. I'm a filmmaker now. Weird shit. What the fuck? Weird, weird shit. I know. Absolutely bizarre. Uh, I celebrated my two-year anniversary at Dread Central while I was there, and I was like, not whatever I thought I'd be two years, like two years ago, could not have told you that this would be where I where I am. So, it's pretty cool how quickly things kind of change and shift. Uh, terrifying, but cool. I can't believe it's been two years. It feels both, like, eternal and just yesterday. Yeah, this is the longest I've ever been at one job. <laughs> I don't, I usually don't say it most places for more than two years because two years is about when I hit and they're just like, no, we're not going to actually like promote you or give you more money. And that's when I'm like, go fuck yourself. Um, but here actually it's stressful as hell, but like I'm taken care of by my boss. So it like, you know, yeah. that matters for something. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it really does. Yeah, it really does. Do I wish I made more money? Who doesn't wish that? Of course. But you know. They at least, I mean, they let me make a movie. So, like, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, good for me. Look at me. Stabi- stability. Not leaving a job in two years. Millennial life. <laughs> wow. Or whatever. But, yeah. So, that's where I've been. You've And, like, I know Tony said lots of moths. If you've seen my Instagram and any other social media platform, there were, there were many a moth to be found in Kentucky. And so, it was very exciting. Apparently lots of spiders you told me offline. Yeah, so... I would not have survived. There weren't... No, no, yeah, you would have hated it, actually, now that I think about it. Um, Because they, like, they weren't big... Like, they were, like, normal spiders everywhere, but I know that you hate any kind of spider. So for me, I was just like, whatever. But for you, you would have been like, I'm going to light my hair on fire. Um, But one morning we found... It was, like... We had just finished an overnight shoot. We were, like, exhausted and stoned in the kitchen, like, eating food. And we look over, and there's a spider, like, this big, like, on the kitchen, like, in the sink. And we were like... Nope. What do we do about that? We thought it was a brown recluse. So, like, we freaked out. It ended up not being one. It was a fishing spider. Whatever the fuck it was, it was way too big to be around. Like, I don't care what it was. Because we also had a black widow that lived, like, in the stones by the front of the house. And then we had to flip something over for, a, like, part of the set. So, like, this far... We, we we filmed on this giant farm. And, like, we lived on the in the cabin. And so we filmed, like, all around the property. And there was this one part of the property that had, like, an old truck on it. And we had to flip something over. And there was, like, eight brown recluses living in it when we flipped it over. And I was like, get out! And we just, like, I, like spider spray yes it's terrible but i was like i'm not dying 
because of one of these motherfuckers. No. So, yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of coyotes. Yeah. I really was nature girl for three weeks. I like, it was, uh, it was wild. I'm, I, I do not miss the bugs. I am. And the problem also was that the cabin that we filmed in was also where I slept mm-hmm. and not everyone slept there. And when we were like coming in and out of the, the cabin, people wouldn't shut the doors and so bugs would fly in and I would wake up covered in mosquito bites because bugs had flown in whilst through the through the day. And also like it was a log cabin, so it wasn't insulated super well. So, yeah, it was um, it was an, it was an experience. The joys of indie put filmmaking. It lightly. Yeah. Oof, Jesus, let me tell you, being den mother to 23 year old boys is is certainly quite an experience. <laughs> They were very, they were very sweet and very kind and very like, they were not that messy. It was just funny because I was like, it's like my little brother. But I was yeah. doing their laundry, getting them towels. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was great. It was great. It was awesome. So mm. can't wait for everyone to see it. Yeah, I cannot <laughs> wait to see it. I'm so excited. But I'm also excited to talk about the movies that, that we, that we've, seen today and and the games we've played so let's start with uh this queerish nola sov slasher okay so this is one movie i did watch when i was in kentucky and i had to share it because i really just it was more like the experience of watching it so this movie is called gorgasm and it is perhaps like the weirdest the most it was a movie that i had to turn off and i had to turn it off because of the context we were watching it in so this movie is from 2007 it um our production designer ben miller our production designer ben miller like lived in new orleans he saw this at a film festival when he was like real he was not sober and he said like I need to show this to you, Mary Beth. Like, I feel like you'll really appreciate it. And I was like, cool. I'm like so excited. And he told me about it. And then all of a sudden, like everyone wanted to know about Gorgasm on set. And they were like, what's Gorgasm? And he was like, it, it's just like, he's like, well, you know, there's a serial killer in it called the Cockface killer. And it, <laughs> he kills people. He kills people for having sex. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I can vibe with that. And so we had, he brought the DVD, we had a projector and a DVD player. And so our one night off, we had like everyone over for a barbecue and we watched a movie and then the late night showing was going to be Gorgasm. And I was like, okay, everyone, like this is really fucking weird. So like, this is like for like horror heads only. No one left. And when I say no one left, I mean like some, like all of the, like the actors that were there stayed and like people that were not like this, this is like... Not August Underground, but, like, it's, like, the kind of weird shit I like, but not that I'd show anyone, like, at, like, a group screening experience. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, and and it, we ended up playing it. And um, every I, I got to a point about an hour in where I saw there was 40 minutes left. And I was like, I can't subject the rest of these people to this movie anymore. I think we have to turn this off. And we did. And everyone was like, thank God. And I was like, because I got to a point where someone was like shitting into a glory hole and a man was eating the shit coming into the glory hole kind of situation. Like, it was like, and then it was like, it was like basically porn, like, but with murder in it. Um, So I was like, look, I can handle this, but like not these actors who like, 
And again, it wasn't, it, there were, yeah, it just was a lot. It was, a, it was an aggressive uh, movie watching experience. Um, and I bring it up because I loved the story. And also I feel like all of the weirdos that love us and would watch this, would watch it, would probably find something to enjoy in it. Because there's also like a group of women led by a, a trans woman who's a dominatrix who are like getting revenge on like rapists too. What is this and, like, movie? It's, it, it makes this. So this movie basically has no script. There's like no script. It's literally yeah. like they just all were like, this is what the scene is. And then they're like, all right, cool. Let's do it. And then they just did it. And then they edited it all together. And that made Gorgasm. This is the second film about the cock face killer who has a gimp mask and then just like a dildo hanging off of it. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I am on Amazon and I am looking at this DVD and I'm thinking about buying it. Is that a bad decision? No, it's not. It's Gorgasm, baby. I'm going to tell Ben that I'm spreading. Ben, again, Ben Miller, our incredible like production designer and special effects guy, was like, this is what happens, Mary Beth, when you let me pick the movie. Like, you shouldn't have let me pick this. Like, why did you know me? Like, why would you let me pick the movie? I was like, why are you blaming me? You bullied me into watching Gorgasm. He's like, I thought we were going to watch it at one in the morning when no one was around. You showed it to the children. And I was like. <laughs> he showed it to the children. <laughs> and then all the boys could talk about for the rest of the shoot was Gorgasm. And I was like, look, we're spreading. It was like. If John Waters was worse, like in extremity and quality, like when I say worse, I mean like in all aspects of what uh-huh. the meaning of the word, uh-huh. it's like trashier John Waters, which is saying something because Divine eats yeah. shit in a movie. Wow. Yeah. So that's orgasm. So um, I guess y'all can do with that information what you will. Uh, but yeah. I figured all the fucking weirdos like Tony, like you said, are interested in these kinds of things. And it's queer. Again, it's queer. I, it's yeah. weird, but it's queer. So. Wow. I yeah. Wow. So let's talk about a YA gay <laughs> I. How am I supposed to follow that, Mary Beth? Like, yeah, Jesus. there's not much. You can't do much. It's it's there's not much you can do after that one. We might have to well, just end the podcast forever. Speaking of queer cock faces i watched the adaptation uh, oh, of okay <laughs> red white and royal blue which ah uh, yes very similar themes so similar <laughs> um which is uh, an adaptation of the book that i talked about earlier this year on little cuts uh which is an edit which is a story about the president's son and a prince of england who um are basically like an enemies to lovers type of storyline where they don't really you like read each this other. recently right yeah it was earlier this year okay so you talk- about yes mm-hmm. yes okay and so um it, it's about like this relationship that kind of develops between the two of them in secret and uh the fallout mm-hmm. of of this this kind of queer romance when we're dealing with um, heads of nations and whatnot, especially with Britain being so um, uptight in the royal community about queer people, uh, and this idea of like traditional values that the monarchy okay. wants to espouse. Um, so I don't, I bring this up because I don't think this adaptation is a fantastic adaptation of the book. I do think it misses some of the themes that the the novel um, 
explored, okay. particularly with the vanishing idea of like queer history, because I, I the the one character, um, the the prince, Prince uh, Henry, who is um, in the movie played by Nicholas Galitzine, who is in Bottoms, which is coming out, which I saw a few months ago, which is coming out. Oh, this yeah. Month. Um, he's obsessed with like history and queer history and how um, the queer queer history has been erased particularly his perspective is also in from the uk and the monarchy so like there's a lot of the interaction between the two of them because and again this was a problem for the movie in my opinion a lot of their interactions are through text messages because they live in two different countries separated by an ocean um and so the movie does some interesting things with that like superimposes him like in like pretends like he's in the scene when they have conversations and so it does some things to like establish that but i do think it misses some of the the subtext and the important themes that the book was trying to explore so i don't think it's a perfect adaptation but i think it's 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 fun it's sexy it's rated r so there's like a couple really sexy scenes oh is it really mhm and it's about it's ya but it's also about uh, 20-something gay characters as opposed to teens. and Okay, okay. And so, like, it's just basically a, a romance that unfolds between these two guys and what that means for um, Alex, the, the son of the president, played by Uma Thurman, uh, who is attempting to figure out his own sexuality while trying to win his mom um, a second run, a second term as president, while Henry okay. is dealing with... Uh, trying to hide his relationships and understanding that he has no future as a, as a queer man potentially in the kingdom. And it's, it's cute. It's messy. It's not perfect. It's a little long. I mean, it is, it's a two hour movie, but it's out as of today when this episode drops on prime and I would recommend checking it out. It's, um, it's cute. It's not, it's about a three for me. It's about a three-star movie for me. Okay. But I do want to bring it you out. You know because what? It... Good. We don't have enough queer, like, cute Well, that's queer exactly it. Movies. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't need to be perfect. It can just be, like, yeah. cute and gay. Mm-hmm. Like, and it is cute and gay. The straights get that you. shit all the time. Exactly. And then, let me tell you, uh, Al- the guy that plays Alex, uh, Taylor Zakar Perez, is dreamy and adorable, and I love him. I love him. He's worth watching just for for him. He is so mm, effortlessly mm-hmm. charming. Hell so yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. So two so, yeah, sides of was... the queer film spectrum. Fucking there you what go. and all. <laughs> <laughs> Watch them together. Queerness. Double feature time. <laughs> yeah, honestly, and I'm not really sure. It's like Barbenheimer. I'm not sure which one should go first and which one should go last, but it really just depends on like what kind of night you're trying to have afterward. Exactly. So, either way, it's a shot and a chaser. But, <laughs> but yes, that's uh that is Red, White, and Royal Blue. Go check it out on Prime. Oh yeah, sad sci-fi film. Um. So my crazy ass was also supposed to be covering Fantasia, but I also was filming, so I haven't How? been watching anything from Fantasia. So I'm catching up this week on Fantasia okay. stuff. It's I'm not watching a lot. I again, like I didn't know this was ha- dates change very quickly, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What? I, regardless, I did watch this uh, Fantasia movie that's actually out today on VOD as of the publishing of this. Um, episode Aporia, 
which stars uh, Judy, it's Judy Greer's movie from Fantasia, directed by Jared Moshe. Um, it's, I wasn't sure what to expect from it, and it was incredibly heartwarming and heartbreaking and sad and like the mo- like that my favorite kind of sci-fi and in, in that it's very grounded and not trying to be like a science fiction movie but is rather using elements of science fiction to enhance a drama and okay. makes like the future of technology seem much more attainable rather than like a distant future but rather just like in a couple decades so Judy Greer plays a woman whose husband has been um, killed by a drunk driver and she is trying to kind of pick up the pieces after he's died and she finds a way to basically go back in time kill the basically it's like almost like the time machine is like a time travel gun where you can aim it at someone and kill them and it fixes the past and so oh. they could by killing them? Yeah. So, oh, wow. yeah. And so this movie becomes about, like, the dilemmas of changing the past and the consequences of changing the past, not just from, like, you know, the butterfly effect stuff, but also, you know, killing somebody in exchange for this and, like, the value like value of life. And there's a lot of really interesting conversations going on in this movie about, like, what is your responsibility? Like, is it your right to play God? And it's all done, like, in, like, everyday living rooms and, like, houses, like, in suburbs and stuff. There's no, like, weird labs. It's, like, guys in their garages. And it's really beautifully shot. And it's – so Judy Greer plays the lead. Eddie Gathegi plays um, her husband. And then Payman Mahdi plays their friend. So there's, like, a trio of them who are, like, kind of – figuring out this weird world they live in where they've basically discovered how to do time travel in a really fucked up way. And it, I was excited because I love seeing Judy Greer as a lead, but this one like sucker punched me. It's really tender and sweet. And again, it's got like this Benson and Moorhead vibes of like really emotional sci-fi that is like grounded in human emotion. When you pick up some scratches, cause you want a fun break, the playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make. You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that. You could even grab a laser pointer and use your cat. You can build yourself a homemade scratching machine or use a piece from your chest set. Go ahead, grab the queen. Scratch like a DJ with your record player. A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer. Cause when it comes to scratching, there's a million playful ways. Thanks to scratches from the California lottery, a little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. ...and human experiences, and then the sci-fi elements are kind of layered on to just give it an extra oomph. Um, so it's out as of the publishing of this podcast on VOD, or in theaters and VOD. So if you want to watch a pretty touching, interesting sci-fi movie, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Um my first movie of Fantasia, not not too bad, I think. So, it's called yeah. Aporia. Aporia, yeah. Okay, sweet. Yeah, so I was a big fan of that, and uh, uh, now for something once again completely and utterly different: uh, Dick's Vampires and Lots of Dungeons. This game has become my life over the last week. Uh, 
it's become a problem. <laughs> to be to be perfectly honest, uh-huh. I've played I think twenty five hours of it since it came out on Thursday. Uh, last Thursday, not today. And most of it was over the last weekend, when I should have been doing other things. Um, yep. But it is Baldur's Gate three, the third game in um, a series that was started back in early early two thousands, late nineteen nineties uh by bioware at the time and this is a new game from larian studios and larian studios is probably my favorite studio um for video games okay period they don't have okay a whole lot of of games under their umbrella particular well they do but like in terms of the kind of game that this is but this is so they made they made um a game called divinity original sin and then divinity divinity original sin part two um, which took the kind of themes that Bioware used to explore in their games back with like Dragon Age Origins and before with Baldur's Gate okay. and that kind of stuff and bring it into a modern era. And so Baldur's Gate 3 is a culmination of their work. It took them, they've been working on it for six years. It's been in early access for like two or three. It is an immense game that reminds me of like sitting down with your favorite novel and just losing yourself in a book that you have some agency over and the things that i have experienced in these first 20 some odd hours are things that like are big moments that would have been the the big moment in video in in a video game like this is a game that is packed full of fantastic moments that give you so much agency for instance this one encounter that i can't that i ran into is um, with a bunch of gnolls, which are like these hyena bipedal monsters. And they are attacking someone in a cave. I come across the scene. They turn on me and start attacking me. Um, I meet up with their leader who has like... The plot of this game is that there's illithids, which are the mind flayers, the kind of tentacly Dungeons and Dragons monsters that can control people's minds. And they put a tadpole in our brains that is going to eventually turn us into mind flayers. And they've been putting these tadpoles in the brains of other creatures to kind of try to take over the world. And so this Noel has one. And so I start to communicate through it, through my Noel, and I convince him to kill his teammates, kill the people in the cave, and then devour himself. And so he sits there and he eats himself. And this is just one possible way of, of solving this problem. I have run into... Um, phase spiders that I destroyed their web and they fell crashing down to the ground. Um, I have I had sex with a vampire. Um, the congratulations! Game... Thank you. I love him. His name is Asterian, and he is a high elf Ooh. vampire who is Ooh. has an adorable accent. And um, the interesting thing about like that's that's really I think very progressive about this game is. Um, it's kind of made like headlines because um, you can pick your genitals. There's like penis A, penis B, penis C, penis D, and then vulva. But you can do that irrespective of your presenting form. So you can be trans in the game. You can be non-binary. You can actually pick to be non-binary in the game. Um, there's all these little things that you... It's all these little things that you do that... Um, that can like make you feel like you're part of the character, and I think that is fantastic. The uh, 
the penis options are like cut or uncut and hair or no hair. So like there's a bunch of there's a range of options. And do they matter? Not really, because I mean, you can take off all of your clothes and run around butt naked. But I do love that there are options that will help someone feel that they are playing a character that represents them. And that is really fantastic. Um, this game is huge. This game is epic. This game is fantastic. I am so in love with this game that this might end up being my favorite game I've ever played. Wow. Like, okay. We're talking like this is this is pure, unadulterated fun for Terry. And Larian Studios is the best game studio. And Tyler, Tyler, oh my gosh. Tony just asked uh, about being able to play the game without knowing anything about the others. Yes. So it is ostensibly a sequel to Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, but it is set oh, 120 years, I think, after the um, after Baldur's Gate 2 and does not require any knowledge. I think some characters are going to show up from that game. Uh, but like in terms of like story, you do not need to know anything. This game allows you to pick up and throw people, throw things. I've pushed a lot of people off of ledges. It's just, it's it's so much fun. It, it really, it's like, it actually feels like you are playing a Dungeons & Dragons tabletop game with, like, the most chaotic DM imaginable. Okay. Is that, I love it. Is, that, is this also the game where Felicia Day dual wields salami? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, the yeah. TikTok I sent cool. with the salami. Yep, this yeah. is that game. Mm-hmm. You also can have um, carnal relations with a druid who shapeshifts into a bear in the middle of the carnal relations. Like while you're inside of them? Um, I'm assuming so. I've only seen a, a brief clip of, of it that Larian shared on, on a stream. They're really pushing the boundaries. I've, I've had <laughs> relationships with two characters, one being Asterion the Vampire, because of course, and he is my boo. And I allow him to, I allow him to take blood from me, which gives him strength and weakens me. But I do it because I love him. Oh my god! But I've also, (laughs) I've also had relations with the Gith Yankee, a female warrior who's like this. really are you are you just like a are you a hoe? Oh, I'm always a hoe in video games. Hell yeah! I will. I will just let my character be with everyone anyone doesn't matter um but but her sex (laughs) her relationship is like she is by the end of it you're talking your character is realizing how like in pain he is because of how intense things were so like this is it's a wild ass game i can't even begin to do it justice i will be playing it for a very long time and i probably will talk about it again but this is Baldur's gate 3 it's out on pc it's coming out on playstation 5 in september and i Highly, 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 highly recommend it. Okay. All right. Good to know. Yeah. I've seen everyone talking about it, so good to know. There you go. Um, and then a Safdie Brother-esque nightmare into day trading. I think I know what this one is. Yeah. So this was one that like was not on my radar, and uh, Ted Geegan had emailed me about this, called Trader, mm-hmm. and I was... I watched the trailer and I was like, I was mildly fascinated because, you know, you don't see a lot of movies about the world of finance with a a woman at the center of it. Um, There is one show on HBO Max that um, I've totally forgotten the name of, but um, 
that kind of delves into that a little bit. But usually, again, it's like very much like a man's world. And so this um, movie is instead about a woman. Her She doesn't ever have a name. She's just the traitor who lives in a basement and is just trying to find a way to make as much money as possible and she gets into day trading and it's all and it's one person in one location the whole movie and it's all like done over the phone and um it's all about her like playing the game the day trading game and being just like kind of a despicable human being um but like you're kind of like impressed with her for being so despicable but you also like hate her at the same like it's all it's and it's um it's very interesting in how they do it. And it's I say Safety Brothers, so if you've seen movies like Uncut Gems, it's very stressful in that, like, this is just one person, like, day trading. It's not really... The stakes are really only high for her, but the movie makes it feel like the most tense thing you've ever seen. Yeah. And I, you know, it's definitely has some, like, little rough spots, but again, like, Kimberly Sue Murray plays um, the traitor the whole time and it's just her the whole time and she's incredible and in how she carries the movie and creates this character who just like lies through her teeth to do despicable things to get what she wants and yeah it was one of those that like i got an email about it and i was interested it was like oh okay maybe and then i watched it kind of you know i like ted and i watched it and i was actually pretty surprised by how much i enjoyed it so i figured i'd give it a shout i don't know if a lot of people are it's going to be on people's radars and i would you know want to give a cool indie movie with a pretty interesting premise and a pr- and it's pretty well executed. Like, give it some love. Because, again, we don't really see a lot of movies about really nasty female characters like this. And I love that. Hell yeah. So, and this is out. It's, it's out now on VOD, right? Yes, it is. It's out now on VOD. So. Sweet. Yeah, check it out. Oh, and the show on HBO Max that I was talking about is called Industry. If you're looking okay. for another show about the cutthroat world finance world but uh on that note creepy wall girls i want to hear about creepy wall girls well i know you have seen this too and it came out while we were on hiatus and i just i wanted to to put people's attention to it because i think it's getting overshadowed by a lot that has come out in the last month but it is the movie cobweb (gasps) yay And as of the publishing of this episode, it is out on VOD. It was in theaters very briefly. It was released, weirdly enough, the same weekend in small theaters, the same weekend of Barbenheimer. So like, and then the next week was Talk to Me. So it's, I don't, I don't think people, I don't think people know about it. I don't think people have seen it. I went on the Halloweenies podcast and I talked about it. I'm trying to like get people's eyes on this because. Yes. I think it's actually really quite good. It's getting weird reviews, like uh, very mixed reviews, but it really worked for me. Um, And I know you've seen it, but it's basically the premise is, is that there's an eight-year-old boy named Peter who lives in this very kind of gothic Victorian house with his parents, one of which is Homelander himself, Anthony Starr, and the other one is Lizzie Kaplan. And they're they're his, his parents, and they're very weird and a little authoritarian, with his his life he doesn't really have any friends um it is halloween this is a perfect halloween movie 
it's it's like Halloween outside. He wants to go trick or treating. His mom is like, there was a girl that disappeared a few years ago down the block. We don't let you go do trick or treating anymore. The backyard is full of pumpkins. It the, it this movie has like this kind of dark Guillermo del Toro dark fantasy vibe to it in like a uh, modern setting and to complicate matters he starts hearing peter the eight-year-old starts hearing knocking on his wall and it turns out there might be someone in his wall and that person might be um telling him to do things either good things or bad things it's a little nebulous at first what's happening and then it just sort of progresses from there as the horror starts to become more pronounced and i I thought this movie was was great. There, it was. I I went into it thinking I was watching like a PG thirteen movie, and it gets dark and gets gruesome. And there's a moment in it that like reminded me of. Well, I'm not gonna say what the movie was, but there's a moment where we've had a director on the show, and the moment was very reminiscent of something that happened in his movie, and it is absolutely horrifying. Do you know what I'm talking about, Mary Beth? <laughs> yeah, that I watched it right before I left, and I was like excited for people to talk about it more. And then nothing really happened nothing. with it, and I was super bummed because I was like, "This is something weird and interesting, and like takes this again dark fantasy gothic vibe, but brings it into the contemporary in a really fascinating way." And Lizzie Kaplan is incredible, and it's it's, it's all just like very restrained in the most gothic way possible but also when it's no longer restrained it goes absolutely nuts like again i think samuel bowden who also did marianne on netflix Mm -hmm. is really good at playing with gothic um like you know gothic expectations and tropes and then kind of twisting them on their head and that's what he does with this one and it's fucking wild and, and it's I lush. just think why it's people should see it. Gorgeous. It is. It's so beautifully filmed. It they're fucking it over by putting it on July. It's just like they're trying to bury it, which is like so sad because it's a it's a good movie. It's, it's a good weird movie. and original. And it's like and I, I mean like I know that it's hard they put it out that weekend and like, you know, Lizzie Kaplan and Anthony Starr can't really promote it because mm-hmm. of the strike. And I know that that's affecting a lot of movies. Um the strike is obviously way more important than that. And it's, just, it's interesting to see how that is all like going down. But watch Cobweb, especially now that it's out on VOD, if you want something spooky and getting into the spooky spirit. Mm-hmm. It is definitely a Halloween movie. I honestly think I'll probably watch this around Halloween time an awful lot because it just it really spoke to me. Um, and the it's, it's filmed by... Um, Philip Lozano is the cinematographer, and he also did Marianne. So if you are, have you, if you've seen Marianne, you kind of know what you're getting a little bit between the aesthetic and between the way that things look. The production design is gorgeous. The way it's lit, there's like this this scene where the two parents are talking, and the kid is up on the stairs, and it all it's like lit, and there's shadows, and it's colorful. And I'm just thinking, you don't see this in horror movies right now. Everything is very desaturated yeah. and very realistic and this feels again to kind of compare it to like pan's labyrinth or guillermo del toro's work it mm-hmm. feels very aesthetically similar to the kind of lush production that guillermo would do and i not to say that this is in any in the same class as guillermo del toro's movies because it's not i love this movie but it's not it's not a guillermo del toro movie but in terms of like yeah. the aesthetic and what you're looking for 
this movie is the closest I've ever seen to someone um, understanding dark fantasy, understanding dark fairy tales, and bringing it to life. So, gosh, very much I agree really with like that. This movie. Yeah, I very much agree with that. And like dark, dark fantasy and dark fairy tales and contempt and like doing it well in a contemporary moment is yeah, it's a really good way to describe it. Wow, movies, so that's, uh, movies and games. That's oh, yeah, uh, that this week's. That's week. That's this week's little cuts. But uh, Mary Beth, who are we chatting with on Monday? So on Monday we are chatting with Eric Lawrence, who is kickstarting a regional Lawrence. slasher film. Is it Lorink? Oh, I thought it was Lauren. All right, cool. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, we're talking um, on Monday with Eric Lorink. He is kickstarting his regional slasher film called High Beams, and he brought with him Children of the Corn Three: Urban Harvest. What a I what a film. What a film. Was not expecting much with this movie, and this movie is actually quite entertaining. I would highly recommend checking it it's, out this weekend if it's you have not fascinating. seen it. And uh, Eric really loves Children of the Corn in a way that I've never heard before. So it was very cool to hear him talk about Children of the Corn and defend slash share his love for that franchise. So, And I will say, like, I was I think what surprised me most and we dive into this a whole lot in the episode is how good the practical effects work for a movie that is the third in a film that is released on vhs it was made for vhs in the 90s which does not bode well for the kind of quality but screaming mad george of society of um nightmare on elm street 4 of the predator uh like the creature design help he worked on that like Screaming mad george did the effects for this and while they look a little bit lower budget because it is a, probably a smaller budget it's still fantastic and yeah it's it's a fun it's a fun film i was surprised Enjoy, enjoy that one on Monday, y'all. So listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. Did you watch something that we watched and have thoughts? Or did you play Baldur's Gate and also have sex with a hot vampire? Uh, do you have suggestions for our next series or movies for us to talk about? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gaily Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at scarredpodcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe and help support us through Patreon, which we will be working on and getting back into the swing of things very soon. Yes, we will. Now that I'm back and things are a little bit back to normal. Um, for now. LOL. Um, <laughs> but thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We are so excited to be back. Uh, uh, stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. <laughs> Until next time. Woo! Oh, won't somebody please think of the children?
have scratchers to scratch. There's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.